is there a problem, officer? Yes, you've got a noise complaint. Good afternoon, everybody. You've got it tuned to CITR 101.9 FM. We are broadcasting live from the University of British Columbia, which is situated on the ancestral and unceded Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamunum-speaking Musqueam people. My name is Jasper. I'll be your host for the next hour. And I have a super special guest in studio with me today. I'm very excited about this conversation. I have Amanda Sum with me. Uh, Amanda Sum is a performer and creator who dances between theater and music. Amanda holds a BFA in theater performance from Simon Fraser University and has collaborated on many interdisciplinary theater-based projects in Canada and the United States. As a musician, Amanda's writing floats on top of the indie pop genre, sometimes dipping into jazz or visiting alternative folk. Her debut full-length record, New Age Attitudes, was released about a year ago, last September, and her music video, Different Than Before, was Juno-nominated for Music Video of the Year and won the South by Southwest Music Video Jury Award. Earlier this month, Amanda presented New Age Attitudes live in concert, a pop-up book performance at the Colch as Theater Replacements Collider Artist-in-Residence. There's so much there. I hope we get to talk about all of it. But Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so great to see you. Welcome to CITR. Um, You do so much. You have so many creative outlets. I I thought maybe we could start the hour by just going to the beginning of it. Mm. I'd love to hear... Um, how you found your way as an artist. Like, what was the first sort of endeavor you did? I think the very, very first was piano lessons that my mom put me in, and my aunt was my teacher. Okay. (laughs) When I was, I think I started when I was five or six, Um, and I really disliked it. You did? (laughs) Yeah. Because I wasn't good, and I think that bothered me, that I wasn't good at it. So I didn't want to practice, and I didn't have the the guts to do it, but I kept going. Yeah. Did the RCM, classical. The whole did, thing. Yeah, did the whole... Well, I quit in grade eight. <laughs> but in that, then growing up, I did um, tap dance, and that was kind of the only dance that I did, but that... I did that through elementary into high school and that was kind of taught me a lot actually about jazz and rhythmically. Yeah. So I can tell when I'm writing music now how that kind of informed rhythmically how I write. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did band and choir and my mom was a big theater person so she would take me to a lot of shows and I would volunteer usher and watch shows, which kind of got me into um, loving live theater. Sounds like your mom played a really big role yeah. in you becoming an artist. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, introduced you to music uh, as a theater person herself. It just kept you around theater Yeah. and stages and yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then, yeah, high school, doing the choir and band and quitting piano within that time frame, but continuing with playing the oboe and English horn and being being in the choir, feeling like I was a smaller part of something bigger yeah. was really informative, I think. It's a profound experience, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, being part of a big sound. Well, just being part of anything bigger than you. Yeah. But particularly uh, in the arts. Yeah. You know being part of a show, part of an ensemble. Yeah. Mm. And uh, what about comedy and acting? Oh, <laughs> um, I had always kind of been interested in taking drama in high school, but it always, for me, somehow conflicted with the band time or the band slot. Sure. So I didn't take drama in grade 8, 9, and 10. And then in grade 11, 12, they have this drama program at McGee I went to. You went to McGee? Yeah. Yeah. And so this main stage program you could audition for, but the prerequisite was that you had to be in drama for the, for. And you hadn't been. And I hadn't. So I thought, well, there's not really, I, I don't really got to have a shot here. Right. But I auditioned and, 
And then somehow, I don't know what strings were pulled. I think maybe because my sister was in it already. Oh, there was an alumni (laughs) connection. It may have been. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then, yeah, but coming out of that into, in, at the end of grade 12, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I auditioned for SFU's theater program and, and got in and. And then you did that? And then I did that. And you have a BFA. Yeah. Which kind of full circles back to music because that program is quite interdisciplinary and a a lot of the projects that I was a part of, I I ended up contributing more kind of musical elements to it. I I have to say, I really hear the musical theater influence in in your record, Mm. your new record. Yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to it a number of times this week and I just, I can see it sort of unfolding in a musical theater setting. Mm. Um. So I'd love to hear about your recent run at the Cult, which yeah. ended on the 14th. Yeah. So I yeah. guess that was a week ago. Yeah. Um, I have a quote from your press release. Can I okay, read it? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I think Let's it's it. I think it's a really great quote. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So New Age Attitudes live in concert is part pop-up book, part performance. It is neither a musical nor a straight concert, shifting the traditional structure of a musical concert by using collective reading as a backbone. This lo-fi performance prioritizes introvertedness and celebrates awkwardness. Amanda rearranges her debut album, New Age Attitudes, to create a new narrative that demands your gentle devotion. Mm-hmm. So when I read that, I, I, I have so many questions. But yeah. I wonder if you could unpack that for me. What was this show all about? Yeah, so um, I started this project as um, an idea commission from Theater Replacement. So they run the Push-Off Festival every year. Um, And in 2020, they had asked me to present a piece with them. And at that time, everything had shifted to the digital realm. Um, And in that same time, I, I had put out my first three singles. No, I had put out my first two. Yeah. Group Think and Mary Shelley. Um, and I was writing grants to apply for funding to fund the full album. Okay. Um, and I was kind of a bit sad about it because I think some of those applications asked me how many followers I had and the Spotify plays and I really like it did me in a bit and that was my first time putting out anything so then this idea of digitizing my material sat with me in a an odd way um because I think it came to this question of access of these are personal stories of mine Mm. um and once I put it out in the digital realm anyone has access to it at any time and I I no longer control that, which is something that I missed, especially in that 2020 year of the liveness of theater or of concerts, right. of here we are together right now. The exchange. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll give this to you and you give your time to me and we take that and we live with that and there's no record of it. Yes. And I loved that and I missed that. Um, and so when they asked me for a piece, which the prompt was, if you could make any work right now, what would it be? I wanted to make the album in a way that stripped all digital aspects to it. So I turned it into a pop-up book, Yeah. Um, which I gave to people to open at a certain time so that they knew when they were at home, if they opened it at 8 p.m., someone else in their home was opening it at 8 p.m. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there was, like, it's filled with some some lyrics and some sonic descriptions of, like, it, it asks the people to imagine what the song would sound like and mm. also has some prompts of what they imagine my mid-show banter would be in a, on a certain page and kind of carves out a structure of a concert um, without actually, or while reading it. Um, Yeah, and then the next year, we turned it into a live performance piece. So in the show that we just presented, um, I've edited the book so that there's an audience of silent readers, which is inherently awkward. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it kind of taps into, as much as it is a concert, it taps into these feelings of, or these thoughts about digitization and performativity. Um, because I was really thinking about, oh, if I take a book, if I'm reading a book at home, I'm just reading the book. But if I, the minute I take a book out to the library or I'm reading at a coffee shop, I'm simultaneously reading the book and performing the act of reading. Yes, I see that. Yeah. yeah. So to put a room full of people reading, there's all that like juicy performativity parts of, oh, am I on the wrong page? Who's reading faster? Who's like, mm. who's, how do people view me while I am reading? Yeah, there's a, it, it sort of imposes or it injects a sort of self-awareness into yeah. everybody. Yes. Um, and it's funny because it reminds me of what we were just talking about, about being part of an ensemble. Yeah. Um, but in a totally new way. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and then we, I structured it into, um, there's a, there's a, performance piece of it as well and I end up playing a few songs that some are on the album and some I wrote just for the show um where my back is to the audience the whole time with this structure of like I can tell you these things but in the first part I'm face forward to you and I'm telling you things through through what I write in the book and then the next part I'm revealing these things of me but I can't look at you in the face and to kind of train an ear of this is how this is a new way of how you can listen to me. So how was, I mean, how was that that experience for you bringing the show to the to the cult? I mean, I did you know what to expect? Did it surprise you? Mm. Um, we had had two years of presenting it at Push Off, yeah, um, at the Russian Hall, which. Uh, was really informative and I made a bunch of text edits just through learning how how things sit with people through that. So bringing it to the cult was really cool because it was in a, a theater setting. Um, and I think the, the exciting part was the people who came because I think at Push Off it was very much the kind of experimental theater maker and presenter crowd. Yeah. And then at the cult, it's people who have seen me be Little Mermaid and like have only known me through my work as something a bit more um, outward. And this show is quite reflective and inward. Yeah. So that to me was exciting and and scary of people seeing a new side of me or something that I create rather than something that I'm stepping into written by someone else yeah presenting a whole new side of yourself yeah I love the idea of you turning and performing some numbers with your back to the audience I I, like I don't see it I think a lot of people would see that as like a kind of a a wall or a barrier Mm -hmm. or something but to my mind in a show like this you're actually joining the audience like Mm -hmm. you're aligning yourself in the same direction as them yeah and I see it very much as like an act of of you know solidarity with the audience yeah um which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations! What an Thank what you. a what a what a what a cool project. Yeah. How many? I I remember seeing um, some videos of you mm. like putting these books together. Yes. Which <laughs> and it, I, I it, it, they were sped up videos of you doing assembly. Yeah. Um, and I know you know the cult's capacity is like a hundred people, something like that. So, how, how many of these books did you make? I made four hundred fifty. Wow. This round, but. So grateful to get some funding that I can hire some assistants. Right. Because it's it's really cool how the trajectory of that project has come about. Because in in the first iteration of the home version, it was all like I hand bound each book. Each right. thing had like each page I glued. Wow. And then the next years, I I had to kind of comp- compromise of what was hand done and what I could get printed in bulk because I knew if the first year I did 60 the next year I did 200 the next year I did 200 and then 400 it was a it's a lot it's a lot of crafting it's a lot but um I I talked to my friend Keely O'Brien who works a lot with paper art and she brought up this the, the concept of um 
the inefficiency of devotion. Oh, tell me about that. <laughs> I already love it. <laughs> and how I thought, oh, like one of the pages was a collage for each person. And I I crafted a collage that was different for 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 the reader. Yeah. For the for the yeah. Yeah. Each book had a had a different one. And that like that takes that was so much time to do a different collage on on 200 different pages. So I think there's something really special about that and everyone has their individual one that they know that I crafted to for them. For them. But I think there's also something equally special in people knowing that I then this year created what I thought was the, the perfect enough collage that could be printed 400 times that I spent, I spent as much time maybe placing each one, each little piece so that I knew this is worthy of everyone getting it. And I, I had to kind of battle that feeling of is it still special? And I think it is, but in a different way. Well, I think I think it's um, you know your final collage. Yeah, had to be informed by the two hundred collages that were made before it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's like it's an iterative process that culminates in something that you feel uh, is good enough. Air quotes, good enough yeah. to be the collage, the final collage to yeah. be for everybody. Yeah. Um, what a labor of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it must have been hundreds of hours of work oh, yeah. for you. Yeah. Did you find those hours meditative? Like, did you were you processing things? Like, what mm-hmm. what was going through your mind when you were doing this endless assembly? Yeah, it it's quite it gets quite mind numbing. Mm. Would listen to a lot of music okay. through it because it's such like repetitive tasks. Um, and funnily, like if I view this as a theater project the rehearsal period is actually me making the books, which is a kind of odd um, equation to figure out. Yeah. Um, But it was a a pretty vital part of the piece of, oh, I'm I'm making this for you. You know my hands touched it. We signed this contract that you're here. I signed this contract that I'm here with Mm -hmm. you so that you're holding something that I made for you. Yeah. Um, And the tangibility of it was was really important so when I got bored making all these books sometimes I would just remind myself of oh yeah this is one book in 400 but this one person gets gets this and I wrote little notes in certain ones that people would receive so (laughs) it's like a hyper tangible offering yeah yeah at a time when everything was out of reach and we were all sort of cut off from each other yeah. Um, wow. Very cool. I, I would love to. I've never seen one. I would love to see one sometime. I yes. Hope, I hope uh, there's some kicking around still. There are. Okay. There are. Yeah. I'll do bring you, you one sometime. Please. Do you have, um, uh, are there any, is there a future for this show? Like, do you see it, do you, do you see taking it elsewhere? Yeah, we have, we're talking with TR about some dates. We've got something set up in Whitehorse next spring. Very cool. Um, and then, yeah, just trying to pitch it to different um, theater festivals yeah. for next year probably. So there's more yeah. you'll, there's maybe some more assembly in your future. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow that's great. Um, well Amanda should we hear some music? Yeah. Let's okay. do it. So what, what should we hear first? Um, I have your whole catalog oh. at my fingertips. Well why don't we start with the intro? The intro of New Age Attitudes? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to say anything about it before we hear it, or should we just should we just go to it? Um, let's just go to it. Okay, here it is. This is <laughs> "Sweet on My Tongue," the intro to Amanda Sum's latest record, "New Age Attitudes." Sweet on my tongue, linger a little more. Cradle my lungs till I. Strong enough to hold my breath underwater. There's so much I ought to know. The sons and the daughters are leading the path to grow. Sweet on my 
Who you gonna choose? Want to let you win? Want to make you lose everything that ever meant anything to you? Who's it gonna be? Who you gonna choose? Want to let you win? Want to make you lose everything that ever meant anything to you? from Amanda Sum's record, New Age Attitudes, on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm Jasper. I'm live in studio with Amanda right now, and we, uh, we're going to talk about the record itself. I guess it's been out for almost a year now. It came out in September. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, it seems like it's been a really great year, Amanda, for you. Um, you you've had a lot of success with the, this album, particularly with the video for um, Different Than Before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, where should we start with the album? Tell me about... You know, where did it where did it start? Um, where did the album start? Uh, I wrote the f- the first song of it that we just heard in November of 2019, um, and I think that was that was the time I had written Groupthink and Mary Shelley and Hot Headed Egos already, and I had just got some funding to record those. Okay. Um, and that was my first endeavor into that at all. And like, like recording music? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and at that time, I was finishing my degree at SFU, and my last course that I took was electroacoustic music. Okay. <laughs> and so I was simultaneously learning L- Logic Pro, yeah. making like weird soundscapes. Cool. Um, and I was also arranging my first three singles for the first time. Um, so I was kind of in this weird transition phase of, oh, I just spent five years getting a theater degree. What am I going to do? And now I'm like, am I doing music? What it, What? Right. What do I, right. who, who am I? So this song kind of came out of that, like all these questioning. Um, yeah. And then um, I think the, the next song that I wrote off the album was A Small House in the beginning of 2020, and then Meticulous Articulation, and then everything shut down, and I wrote the rest of the album um, throughout 2020, 2020. In, my, in my childhood bedroom at my mom's in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these things kind of, I think the quietness of that year and being alone a lot um, and no pressure to go, out <laughs> allowed me to kind of really sink into what my songwriting was because kind of prior to that I didn't really write songs until kind of 2019. Sure you were I mean you were working on theater right? So, yeah 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 so in some ways that major disruption uh, was kind of timely for your writing process? I think so mm-hmm. yeah it allowed me to to um come back to the piano in a way that um, didn't feel pressurized. 
like it did at when you began playing <laughs> when, I began when you were a child. Playing. Yeah, because I didn't really play it at all from when I quit in grade eight to till twenty nineteen. Yeah. So I had kind of tinkered around more so with the guitar in that in that time frame. Yeah. But coming back to the piano where I had a bit more theory um and was able to kind of play around with more complex chords than I knew on the guitar because that was self-taught allowed me to kind of play more rhythmically with with um different um structures and sounds and I th- group thing was kind of the first song that I was like oh this is this is um a song that I like that I wrote not just like a four chord stupid love song <laughs> yeah it's a great feeling to, <laughs> to like the song you just wrote isn't it yeah yeah. So then with New Age Attitudes, that kind of felt like the the start of, oh, this is my next um, kind of circle of of uh, my writing process. Yeah, it's my yeah. next thing. Yeah. I hear the um, the uh, the uh, training in your in your writing. Mm. Um, there's sort of a very <clears throat> cool impressionistic jazziness to jazziness yeah. air quotes to the your chords yeah. and your structures yeah yeah and the way you sing um i like the way you sing um you have a very free sort of approach to melody mm-hmm. you know it's just um which i appreciate and i Thanks. yeah yeah sometimes there's like too many words to fit in so then i just work. add an extra beat and then <laughs> change the time signature so that i can fit the words in but it's not Makes easy to, to do you know okay so you're saying you yeah you'll you accommodate your lyrics uh like you'll you'll find space you'll create space yeah. for them yeah uh in the in the music yeah uh that's hard to do it's hard i i think it's hard to do and make it sound good uh, yeah some i've been unsuccessful on that for sure too which which is understandable yeah. I, think, I think most of our most of our art should be unsuccessful yes absolutely right? yeah yeah um cool so did you um did you produce the back half of the record at home in logic uh no i demoed it all you demoed it all okay. i demoed it and then so i would um create the arrangements on midi mostly except for the drums I had played a so or I played a duo show with Jamie Lee, who drums on the album in 2020. We did a uh, online um, concert through Side Door. Side Door, yeah, yeah. So Jamie knew most of those songs, um, and so we kind of created what what the drum arrangement would be just for that concert. And it was only after that when I was arranging the the other parts of it synths and bass and such so then I kind of did that without drums and then just midi drummed kind of what I remember Jamie doing right um and created those demos and and sent them to Emily Millard who is the producer to kind of get some feedback and that was a big learning process too of she would kind of she would give me some notes and hear some like weird bass note rubbing against some weird chord because I have too many crunchy things in the piano. So she would be my kind of outside ear on s- picking those out. And so I would, important. Yeah. yeah. And then I'd go back and tinker and then chart them and send them to my players. I love that you yeah. used the, the term crunchy because yeah. I, I used that too. And I don't know, I didn't, I didn't know how sort of widely used that term was for yes. everyone listening at home when something's crunchy it's basically like notes that are clashing or uh, yeah but I tend to not have an ear for crunchiness like mm. I I you know like I have people that I work with that hear crunchiness mm. which they detect it and I don't detect it a lot mm, of the time mm. I don't know do you have the same kind of I I mean I naturally go towards crunchiness Interesting. which I think Emily like kind of we would ha- we would dance around like oh is this too much like there's still a lot of crunch in this record in that first song it's like there's no bass note that could happen that's not crunchy because the keys are doing something I don't even care because there's yeah. you know ten notes you're doing ten notes on yeah, the keyboard something's yeah. gonna crunch <laughs> so but- so your your working relationship with Emily was a lot of sort of finding the desirable level of crunch. Yeah, doing like that. The, the palatable and, yeah. of crunch. And also, like, she really helped with with 
sonically, like picking tempos and and um, figuring out what um, what songs needed um, something else, yeah, and different textures and such. How did you get? How did you come to work together? Um, I we had done a workshop of a of a musical um, that our friends Barbara Adler and Kyla Gardner are creating, still in the process too. Cool. Called Mermaid Spring, and back in 2019, we were we were both asked to sing on it on this little presentation that happened at the Gold Saucer. Um, so me and Emily met through that, and we had talked just on a break of Emily think Emily saying that she was wanting to um, she was had self produced her past albums and was wanting to look into producing for other people. And at that time, I had nothing done, and I was looking to just like even start what a recording process would yeah. look like. So it kind of we were a, we a good match, match made. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I applied for the demo program at Creative BC, which you had to apply as artist and producer. Okay. Um, and so we applied for that together. Great. Yeah. And it was a it was a really successful pairing, hey? Yeah. 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 You worked with um, an all-female team on mm-hmm. this record, and your band is all-female, all-Asian. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's really important to you. Um, I wonder if you could talk about, like, those values and, you know, wh- why it matters to you. Yeah. I think what I had learned as I was trying to kind of um, copy and paste theater processes onto my new learnings of of music making, it was really important that the the process reflected what the project was. Um, and also in, in the creation of a lot of new theater pieces, it's just a constant ask of why why this and why now? What's the importance of this? And I didn't want to start putting out music just for the sake of putting out music. And I really wanted to interrogate why this and why now? And so when I had these songs that, really reflected around these experiences that are colored by my identity of being a woman, being Asian, being young, one one of the three or all three at once or two at once. Um, I wanted that to be reflected in the people who made it and the people who made it to, to share and have an understanding of, of these um, ideas and experiences and um, yeah, it just didn't make sense otherwise. And I don't think I would have been as, um, I wouldn't be able to stand by my work if that um, record in particular wasn't done by that. Yeah, if you couldn't answer that question, why? Yeah. Like, why I'm doing this? Yeah. Um, you needed a really compelling reason to do it. Yeah. I think that's a great approach to making art, starting with that mm. mm-hmm. and then sort of... in having that question inform all the decisions you make like not just decisions on the record but decisions leading up to you know months before you're even in the studio like who you're reaching out to work with yeah. and why yeah um wow that's fantastic thanks why don't we throw to another song okay Matt, sure what do you think? yeah okay so what's next should we do something from the album or should we go should we go deeper in <laughs> from before Tell me how how could we go deeper in? I mean, we can go to the very first song I okay. put out. Oh, we could go back to Group Think 2020. This would be new for me, so I would like to do this. Let's do it. Okay, so where <laughs> so Group Think? There okay, it is. Here it is. There she is. Yep. <laughs> um, this is same the team first single. Yeah. You ever released? Do you want to tell us anything about it before we hear it? Um, I th- I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you that this was a song that I was really, I loved when I first wrote it. And I liked the idea of theatrically thinking of it, of parsing out what the lyrics were, and then making that inform the structure. So we'll hear like um, little time signature clinks. And then at the end, the the machine, as I view the song as, kind of goes off the rails because of the, or the chords kind of 
end up changing because of what the song is talking about. Great. So that's what I'll say. All right. Uh, yeah. We'll keep your ear out for that. This is Group <laughs> Think by Manasam on CITR 101.9 FM. Never really got how we went from Margaret to Peggy Never really got why I only hear the cars at night And it really sounds like the inside of my body Churning, turning into a machine Never really got how we went from Muppets to Madness Never really clocked when it got so out of hand And I really thought we would have some understanding No go, it shows how programmed we're to be So press one when you think that you two cannot disagree Press three when you don't think the same But don't say you don't think the same, you're a machine Press one when you think that you two cannot disagree Press three when you don't think the same But don't say you don't think the same, you're a machine Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting the wind? Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting? Never really got why high heeled sneakers started trending. Never really made sense why I put my tongue on hold. And it really feels like the molding of my body cleaning, screening out options of control. So press one when you think that you two cannot disagree. Press three when you don't think the same, but don't say you don't think the same, you're a machine. Press one when you think that you two cannot disagree. Press three when you don't think the same, but don't say you don't think the same, you're a machine. Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting the wind? Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting? Made of metal, forced to settle for the common ground. So press one when you think that you cannot disagree press three when you don't think the same but don't say you don't think the same you're a machine press one when you think that you do cannot disagree press three when you don't think the same but don't say you don't think the same you're a machine made of metal forced to settle for the common made of metal forced to And are we splitting the wind? Who's gonna, who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting? Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting the wind? Who's gonna, who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting? You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. Live presents Marielle Buckley and Jake Vadaland and the Surgeon Boys with support from Vanessa D and the Bright Sides at the Biltmore Cabaret on June 8th. Tickets available at admitone.com.
Asian Heritage Month in Canada. And this year, the Vancouver Asian Heritage Month Society and its signature event, the Exploration Festival, is celebrating its 27th anniversary. Exploration Festival is a month-long celebration that brings together all of the pan-Asian Canadian artists throughout the Lower Mainland, including visual, art, poetry, dance, and music. Find all of the events and exhibitions in the online program guide, which you can download at exploration.org to learn more about what's happening in your community this Asian Heritage Month. You are back on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm Jasper. I'm live in studio with Amanda Sum. We just heard Amanda Sum's very first song ever of all time, Groupthink, which got a little crunchy at the end in a way that I think was very nice. Um, if you're listening at home and you're not driving, you can call into the studio and ask Amanda a question if you like. The number is 604 2487 which actually stands for 604 UBC CITR. We have, oh, smart. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. We have seven or eight minutes left in the hour. So if you uh, want to pull over and call Amanda, um, the number again is 604-822-2487. Okay, so Amanda, um, I wanted to ask you about um, the Different Than Before video because it, it, it was celebrated on many levels. You mm -hmm. received a Juno nomination for Video of the Year, and you won a very prestigious award at South by Southwest, which is major, uh, the Music Video Jury Award. Um, congratulations. Thank you. I'd love to hear about that experience, you know, having, because it was, you know, it's a powerful video. Um, I rewatched it recently and it it would you know it brings things up for me mm -hmm. um painful things mm -hmm. um tell me about making that video you know was it hard emotionally was it um tell me about it yeah so um groupthink the first song had a music video um, and that I worked with Mayumi Yoshida on. And we had met through theater, actually, just like seeing each other at shows, mutual friends, and and had a little tea date maybe in 2019, thinking, oh, if I ever start um, doing music and needing a video, like it, it would be great to work together. So we had had um, work together on that first music video, and um, I had played different than before and talked about it on that same duo online concert with Jamie which Mayumi was tuning into. And she had texted me saying, okay, dibs on that song if, okay. um, for our next. And I was like, oh, interest." Like to me at that time, it wasn't my like best song in terms of, I don't, e I don't even know. I thought it was a bit weird. I thought it was a bit slow, a bit like not, not the one that I would choose right. for the for first music. Yeah. Yeah. But it, because I had talked about the meaning of the song prior, I think it, it pulled Mayumi in, in a way. Um, and so we talked about it, but we, I hadn't even had the funding to record the m music yet. So it was like, oh, sure, uh, timeline-wise, it'd be probably t 2021 that I record it. And then it just felt like way too big picture, way too far away. But we had kind of casually began talking about what the what the visual would look like and um i i wanted to kind of remove myself from the imagery of it in that i didn't want it to be as much like my own personal um problem um but I, but in this way that a, a dad singing about it dreaming and craving a world for his daughters to grow up safely in kind of made it made it kind of more accessible in a way because I I didn't I wanted a smaller part yeah to make it feel bigger somehow yeah I know I get that you yeah because it's it, it wasn't about you yeah right it yeah. is and it's not it's about something much larger yeah. um yeah. yeah so so then we um brought down the team at, and then like this is the that's for sure the biggest video I've ever I've ever been a part of and um Mayumi brought in Tai Ma who like I've seen play so many 
cool people's dads. And now I get to be one of the like he played Aquafina's dad. He played the dad in Mulan. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you're you're in the club now. <laughs> That's wild to me. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also we brought him on too because he had such a big voice in in um, promoting um, stop Asian hate. Yes. And that was really important that we we would have some support in that and and. Yeah, so... You were working with VAF at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, with VAF. And, yeah, we recorded it, or we filmed it in March of 2022. Put it out in May, about just a year ago. May 13th, I think. May 20th. May 20th, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's amazing to see a year later just where where it has gone i know yeah also just thinking about okay now it's may 2023 right now and the first like instigator of when i wrote this song was may 2020 like three years ago kind of to the date yeah and to see that that stemmed from my little childhood bedroom and the process of then arranging the songs getting funding to make the songs and record the song getting more funding to make the video and just like then seeing us or seeing it get to the junos and texas like that's it's pretty amazing it must be hard to wrap your head around yeah because it is amazing like it is yeah amazing and it's like we, we were the only independent ones in the juno category okay which is like you're the really special to see me and Mayumi next to each other with independent underneath thinking oh yeah these two Vancouver Asian women teaming up and we're like next to Sam Smith <laughs> like that's yeah. like a little beyond my brain it's surreal surreal and also too i think i kind of grounded myself thinking oh all these like big name nominations it's like it's a bit silly too, thinking about how we af- affirm mm-hmm. or validate art in in that way. But I think what really I'm what makes it feel good for me is that it just means that people are seeing the video and seeing the message that is in the video, and that is getting amplified, and that makes me feel um, like I did what I wanted. The whole project. Again, re- was informed by the question why, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, throughout the whole, and even like the, the closing title, the closing screen mm-hmm. of that video returns to the why mm-hmm. of why you, every decision you made along the way. Yeah. Um, congratulations, Amanda. It's, it's so f- fantastic that this video was so well received and recognized in the way it's been recognized. Did you get to go to Texas for South by to No, cuz it was the exact same date as the Junos in Edmonton. You're kidding. So I went to the Junos and the team went to Texas. <laughs> I can't believe it was the same day. That's the, that's just Monday the 13th of March. Wild, hey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least you had people in both in both places. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh the people in Texas uh they, they they took home I did you get like a statue or something? Yeah, we or? got a plaque. You got I think. a plaque? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um well congratulations, Amanda. <laughs> Thank you. We um we're just about out of time. Um with our last minute or two. Mm-hmm. What's what's next for you? Um gently and slowly working on some new music. I have a new album that I want to make, kind of start looking at that later in the year but in between I have a little bit of a gluing EP that I want to um, make with Marianne Chetta actually Um, and then I'm going to Toronto in June for the Women in Music BC Toronto Showcase what a fun title (laughs) but that's like it's feeling like this is the first time I'll play my own music in a different city which is that's, it, a, that's a step. Yeah, that's a big it's step. It's a big step. And yeah. then later in in July, about a month later, me and the different Them Before team are going to Toronto again for the Prism Prize Top 10 nomination. Um, Fantastic. Thing. But 
there's also an audience vote component. Okay. So if you want to vote for different than before, you can do that. You, prison prize. <laughs> yes, you can. If you don't know what we're talking about, there is a, um, a very the most prestigious video award in Canada is the prison prize. And if you want to check out Amanda's video and give it a little love, head over to the prison prize website. I think it's just prisonprize.ca. I think so. Yeah. Well, that's like, very yeah. exciting, Amanda. Yeah. It's Thank um, you. really been wonderful to to chat with you. Thanks for coming out to UBC. Yes, of course. Thanks today. for. I'm glad this worked out. I know. This was a long time coming. For everyone listening at home, Amanda and I have been <laughs> trying to arrange this since since the different than before yeah, video was for released a year, a year for... ago. Um, but you're really busy, and so you know it's good. You're you're in demand, and uh, it, it happened, and it'll happen again. I'm sure. Yeah, I love this. Um, okay, folks. Um, Head over to, what's your website, Amanda? Amandasum.com. 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 You can learn more about Amanda. You can hear more of Amanda's work and watch her great videos. And uh, yeah, head over to theprisonprize.ca and and, uh, vote for Amanda. Um, That's it for today on Noise Complaint. I'm Jasper. I've been joined by Amanda Sum today. Coming up next, we have an episode of Olivia Dreisinger's podcast, Diagnosis Grad School. Take care, and we'll see you next time.